I trust that you feel so welcome here, and I'm expectant to bring this word to you today, a word which I believe is in season for a time like this. Let us just pray and ask the Lord's blessing. Our Father, we thank you that we may be in this house today. We, th we thank you, Lord, first and foremost, that we may know you. Thank you, Lord, that you saved us. Thank you, Lord, that we belong to you. Thank you that the name of Jesus is written over us. Thank you, Lord, that your word says that no word from you will return void without accomplishing that which is was sent for. We thank you, Lord. We ask your blessing over this word in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. The scripture I want to read to you today is out of Luke 5 from 36 to 39, and the title of the message is Transition. Well, now that is quite a takeoff. Problem is we don't know where that rocket is heading, but anyway, we are ready to go. Transition, Luke 5, verse 36. It's speaking about Jesus here. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and put it on an old one. Otherwise, it will both tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled out and the skins will be ruined. But the new wine must be put into fresh wine skins. And no one, after drinking the old wine, wishes for the new, for he says, the old is good or it is better. Well, now, Jesus was describing the natural and expected behavior of mankind when confronted with change in their circumstances. And I'm sure that you would agree with me that we really, really find ourselves in a time of transition, a time of a lot of changes. Now, it's not all that bad. Uh, <laughs> Pastor John was referring to the mask and yes, we are so over it. But you know, it's not all bad. I know if you would recall some time ago, I, I mentioned to you the shock that I experienced in my life when I, for the first time, entered a fitting room with those dreaded angled mirrors, and I caught a glimpse of my face from the side for the first time in my life. And I, I noticed this little nose of mine it was quite a shock to me. You know, so the mask brings welcome relief <laughs> many times. <laughs> For some of us, it's not so bad, you know. Anyway, the world is in a constant flow of change, sometimes incremental, sometimes momentous. And I just want to throw out a few statements here to you, and I really hope that you would take note of it, for it can really make a lot of difference in your life. Change is a principle of creation. A quote from George Will says, the future has a way of arriving unannounced. If we accept this with the right attitude, we set ourselves up for success and victory. Only a small percentage of the world's population respond to change effectively. Should you fight and resist change, you set yourself up for failure and wasted potential. 
Just listen to that. Wasted potential. Learn to embrace change. That, I believe, is the godly response. We need to learn to manage change rather than become its victims. We need to learn to embrace change as our friend rather than opposing it as an enemy. View it as the arrival of opportunity rather than the invasion of failure. And you know, I'm, I'm very aware and I'm very sensitive to a lot of people who really suffered consequences in this time of transition. You, you might have lost your, uh, lost your income, etc., etc. You know what? God is still the same. Listen to this scripture, Malachi 3 verse 6. He says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. <laughs> for I am the Lord, I do not change. Have you ever thought that this time of transition, this time of huge changes in your life might just be the very opportunity for you to be propelled into a whole new dimension of life? And this is, I believe, the way that we should manage it. This is really what God wants us to believe. And you know what? His word doesn't change. His word remains the same. Jesus warned his disciples about the change that they will face in John 16. And he concluded with the wonderful phrase, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. But be of good cheer. He didn't say, you know, a lot of bad things is going to happen. Guys, you better be ready. You better be ready to run and to hide and to disappear and find faraway places and just bait fasabiki, you know, because you might survive it. No, he says, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I'm not of good cheer because I have to overcome the world. Praise God for that. He overcame the world. Therefore, we can be in good cheer. I want to discuss a few uh, times in history that happened where major transition uh, took place. First the creation, and then in Moses' life, and then in the first church life, especially with reference to uh, Peter and Cornelius. In Genesis 1 verse 2, we read, the earth was formless and void, or a waste and emptiness, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was moving, fluttering, hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. This was a momentous time of transition, and it was God's initiative. The Holy Spirit was involved. Jesus was involved. They were there, and it happened the way that God wanted it to happen. Why am I sharing this to you? To show you that it's a principle in the Word of God that whenever change happens, whenever there's transition, God is there. He's the author of transition. He's the author of change. He's not foreign to that. He's not against it, and we know need to embrace it and welcome it. And after God observed the whole creation, he said it was good. From formless 
darkness to order and light. God is for change. God is for change. Secondly, let's look at Moses. He went through a lot of changes in his life. He was a very unwelcome Hebrew baby. He took up sailing very early in his life. Uh, he became a highly sought-after prince of Egypt, a lonely shepherd to the mighty prophet, leading the Israelites from slavery to free men. Just imagine him, the man that we read. He was talking to God face to face. Just imagine that. In Exodus 33, we read, we read about his request to God where, where he was again uh, at a position with this nation and now they need to, to, to progress further. He says, show me your way, Lord, that I may know you and that I may find favor in your sight. Verse 15, he says, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not lead us from here. Can you see change? God was involved. Can you see that Moses knew he can make it if God is with him. He can make it if the Holy Spirit is with him. For he concluded and he said, God, if it's not for this, how else will the people know and distinguish us from all the other people but by your presence? People of God, I'm asking you today, we should not be the same as the world. In a time like this, we read, and if you watch the news and stuff, you go into a downward spiral, and you will gravitate towards a very bad place. We should not be like that, because even Moses said, Lord, this is a, an enormous task. But you know what? If you are with me, I'm up to it. If you are with me, I'm up to it. Do you know what? If you're a child of God, if you said yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit is living in you, then he's with you. You are not on your own. You don't face this time of transition on your own and in your own power. No, the living God resides in you, empowering you, there to help you, to comfort you, to guide you, to lead you. How can you not win? How can you not be victorious. The enemy wants to steal your joy. The enemy wants to steal your peace and put you into that spiral of downwards gravity. We can't allow that. God is with us. Amen. Jesus said in John 16, he told the disciples, it's profitable that I go away for I will send you the Holy Spirit to be in close fellowship with you. Wow. Now let me just tell you, the people with Moses who embraced this whole concept of transition, of change, they made it to the promised land. The others died in the wilderness. You know what the Bible called the others? Stiff-necked. Stiff-necked people. I used to say stiff-necked but I was corrected. It's stiff-necked people. Thank you, my darling. Stiff-necked people. You don't want to be called stiff-necked. What is stiff-necked? Stiff-necked, those are the people who are not ready to change. 
Those are the people who are so set in their ways. It's like concrete. You can't move them. They believe what they believe. They are what they are. And they will also, they will, will still uh, say, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. That is not the attitude of a man of God. This is not the attitude. God is revealing new things to us all the time. He's changing us all the time. You need to be renewed day by day. You can't be the same like you were a week back. You need to be renewed daily. This is the principle of the Word of God. So you need to have an open heart. You need to be on your knees every day and say, Lord, would you reveal more of yourself? Would you reveal more of your purposes in my life? Lord, would you change my heart? Would you change my mind? mind that I would be living completely fulfilling your purposes, for I don't want to die in the wilderness. This is the attitude that we need to have. Then we can bring about a change in the city, in this world, in this country of ours. How much does this country need people like these in a time like this? We don't need people who would instigate all these bad things. No, we need people in a time like this that would truly, truly follow after God and say, God, would you change me? If I've got the wrong attitude or feelings, change my heart, Lord. Change my heart so that wherever I go, I will bring words of hope and direction and I, we will fulfill the purposes of God in this country. Sure. Anyway. <laughs> now, <laughs> Amen. now Cornelius and Peter, wow, the apostles and the first church found themselves in a, a most significant and uncomfortable season of transition. I, I wish we could have time travel and just be there for a little while. Here Jesus appeared, and, and he was revealed as the Messiah, whom they expected to liberate them from the Roman oppressors. But then he died. Wow. Okay. And just while they were still in shock, then he was resurrected again. Another shock. And just while they were contemplating that, he actually told them, I'm leaving for heaven. But you know what? You... I give you the mandate to do what I'm supposed to do on this earth. Wow, isn't this exciting? But now, they were, they were dispossessed. They were kicked out of the temple. Some were killed, relocated to other cities. All of a sudden, they start really caring for each other, which is good. They founded house churches, life groups, life groups. <laughs> they had no idea what tomorrow might hold. They, but... In the midst of this, they were a super dynamic force. For wherever they went, they changed the world. Wherever they went, they healed the sick. They cleansed the lepers. They raised the dead. They bring words. They brought words of hope. They changed the atmosphere. When they walked down the street, the people were running ahead and try to put the sick so that just their shadow will fall on them to heal them. Can you imagine that? Wow. Can you imagine how afraid the enemy was of these people? 
If we can get the right attitude and we can truly embrace God and welcome the Holy Spirit and seek after God like never before, why can't we do this? Why can't we operate completely and fully in this manifestation of the Spirit that wherever we go, the whole atmosphere will change. Everything will change wherever we go once we are filled with the power of the Spirit of God. And this is what we are called for. Anyway, now, these poor disciples, they, they were really uh, uh, in, a, in a troubled state. Then in Acts 10, we read about Cornelius and Peter. Now, Cornelius was a centurion in the Italian, Italian regiment, the Romans, the dreaded Romans. Uh, let me just assure you that they didn't really like each other a lot. They didn't party together. Now, but he was devoted to God. He prayed and he cared for the poor. And then he got visited by an angel. Wow. We all want to be visited by an angel. Well, maybe not all of us. <laughs> and then he was instructed to send men to Joppa to find and fetch a certain Simon Peter. Take note that God chose people to bring about change. When I was reading this and pondering on this, the Lord just showed me very clearly, this angel could have revealed the whole story to Cornelius, couldn't he? But he chose to use people. He chose to use Simon Peter in this instance. How often times is God wanting to use you to bring about salvation to other people, to bring about transition in another place? in another house. So, here they are off. He sends his messengers to Peter, and the Bible says, while they were on their way from Caesarea to Joppa, Peter was going to the uh, roof of the house to have a time of prayer, but then he fell hungry. Uh, that's real encouraging words for many of us. It's not so bad to fall hungry. And, and he actually acted on it because a meal was being prepared. He didn't say, no, 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 I will wait another six hours. No, they prepared a meal. That's good news. Anyway, while he was busy doing that, the Bible says he fell in a trance. And the Holy Spirit showed him this whole vision of unclean and common animals, etc., with a very direct instruction saying, Peter, rise up, slaughter, kill, and eat. Now, <laughs> we just remember that up till there, up till there, even though it was prophesied in the Old Testament, they never realized it. And salvation was exclusively being reserved in their view for the Jews for thousands of years. And now this vision appeared before Peter. Can you imagine the state he was in? And now trusting him to correct Jesus, you know, Jesus telling him, Peter, rise up, kill, eat. <laughs> no, Jesus, let me just correct you. Uh, there is a law written. It's called the Old Testament. And it said, I've never done it. It's impossible for me to do it. But you know what? 
The wonderful thing is, even though he said it's impossible, something started to change in his life. But he was bombarded by all these uncertainties and new things. And, and of course, you know, can you just imagine, he saw this vision three times just to confirm it. And while he was trying to make sense of this debacle, the messengers arrived there shouting, is this Simon Peter's house? Is he living here? The Holy Spirit told Peter in the meantime about the people that would arrive and instructed him to go with them, for he sent them. Just try to imagine how messed up he was at this stage. And then, to put a cherry on the cake, they shared their mission, mission with him, telling him about Cornelius, <laughs> a Roman centurion, sent them. And, and they want to find out what God is saying to them. He invited them in, and the word said, they went to bed. Now let me tell you, there was one disciple having a very bad night. He didn't have a good sleep that night. He tried to make out what was going on. Take note of the impending transition dawning upon him, but also take note of the transition starting to happen in the kingdom of God. For until now, the message of salvation was not preached to the Gentiles. And by the way, that's us. <laughs> so that this was a major transition. So how did he deal with this challenge? Well, he was obedient. He embraced it without knowing what the outcome might be. He acted on the promptings of the Spirit. And by the way, the Holy Spirit didn't reveal the outcome to him. And I want to encourage many of you, for I know that people are listening and the Lord has been stirring something in your heart. But typically, human as we are, we are very good planners, and we would want to know what will be the outcome of this whole thing, Lord. Would you just, I'm not so much interested in today or tomorrow. I'm actually much more interested on the outcome at the end of it. Isn't it true? We all would like to know it. You know, one of the major things of the first church, they didn't have a clue about tomorrow. <laughs> they had no idea. And by that, I don't say don't plan, etc. but you can only plan so far. And let me tell you, I sense in my spirit that we are moving into a time where much of our planning will fly out the window. And we will need to be led by the Spirit day by day. We will need to be led by the Spirit moment by moment. For very quick decisions will need to be made. And even in your life as an individual, you will need to learn how to live by the promptings of the Spirit. You will need to learn to trust Him, to obey Him, to have confidence in Him. And don't fall into anxiety because you don't know the outcome of the story. You don't need to know the outcome. Well, let me say this. The outcome is we will share eternity with God. <laughs> Amen. Isn't it wonderful? So does it really matter what happens between now and then? It really doesn't matter so much, does it? Be sure that God is with you. His Holy Spirit is with you. And we will need to make quick, decisive, godly decisions. Amen. You need to be ready for that, for that was the success of them. Now, Cornelius, on the other hand, 
He was so excited that in good faith he invited his friends and family to gather in his house. Verse 33, he, he speak to Peter and he said, we are all present in the sight of God to listen to all that you have been instructed by the Lord to say. They were ready, they were eager, they were hopeful. Then Peter shared the gospel to them, and while he was still speaking, the most astounding and unexpected happened. The Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. Can you imagine how messed up these poor apostles, these poor Jews must have been? They were still trying to contemplate all these things that happened, and now, yeah, the Gentiles were speaking in tongues. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. How can it be? Can you imagine? But it happened. What happened? It was a major transition but they were part of it. They allowed God to use them to bring about the major transition. What about you and I? Don't you think we should be there, eager, welcoming God? Oh, Lord, I'm excited about this new time. Well, Lord, I'm excited about tomorrow. I'm excited about what will happen with this church. I'm excited what will happen in this city, for you are with us. And all that we need to do is to be there, to be ready and useful and filled with the Spirit. Wow, isn't it wonderful? <laughs> you know, speaking of transition. You will remember that uh, I was uh, teaching you about wearing black socks because it really makes sense, you know? Those socks that always go missing, black socks work. And, and it got to such a point, I was actually mentioning it in the first service, I listened to two ladies there at the back, they were uh, trying to find a DVD that someone ordered where I preached and the one asked the other one, is it the pastor with the socks? The other one replied, no, it's the one with the nose. You know? <laughs> but anyway, you know, while it's a time of transition, I did, decided today to show you how ready I am for transition. So this is not a black sock. How's that? <sighs> there for you, you see. You know what's written on this sock? The lost in the wash replacement sock. <laughs> we need to have a different attitude. We need to be positive. We need to be eager. We need to be ready, receptive, filled with God, saying, Lord, how would you want to use us? Verse 45 in Acts says that they were surprised and amazed, that's Peter and the Jews, for there goes a whole bunch of their beliefs and traditions down the drain. Can you just believe it? The Gentiles got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then off to be baptized. And by the way, there's a baptism service right after the service. You ready for that? Acts 12 verse 21 says, and the presence of the Lord was with them with power. Wow. So what can we do at this place, at this stage? We can learn from the past and say, well, Lord, we see that you are in change. You are there. It is initiated from you. We can see, Lord, that you use your people 
in a magnificent way. Those who are ready, those who are eager, those who embrace the opportunity. We can see that the people who got used were filled with the Holy Spirit. We could see that these people were God chasers. They were not, uh, they were not allowing a messed up life to derail them. And I want to call upon you today again, like Pastor John last Sunday said, if you've got stuff in your life, it is a wonderful opportunity in this, at this time to get rid of all this out of your life. For we are entering into a time where you will need to walk close with God. Let me assure you of that. If you don't, if you're not ready to walk close with God, you know what? You will be like one of those guys at the bus stop and what just happened? And someone will tell you, the bus has left. You don't want that. You want to be on the bus. Actually, you want to be the bus driver to say, where are we going for? I believe that this is the most godly response to change, is that we should initiate change. We don't need to wait for change and then respond on it. We can initiate change. And you know what? I am very aware that many of you have been severely affected by this difficult time. And I want to encourage all of you with this word that I previously read out of Malachi, for I, the Lord, does not change. <laughs> He's still the same. His word is still the same. Every promise in this book is still the same. Every promise still holds. And this book says, if I'm his, he will keep me. This book says, don't be anxious for anything. But in everything, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, bring your wants to God. And He will stand God over you. He will, he will send His peace to stand God over your heart and your mind. Peace that supersedes all human understanding. And even though you might find yourself at this stage in a difficult time, why don't you just make a turnabout and say, God, I now see this as an opportunity. This might be just the time for me to step into a new reality and I will step out of this place of despondency and I will walk into a place of expectancy. I embrace you. I embrace your love. I embrace your provision and I know that your word is true and I won't fight transition and change but I will run with it for I realize that you want to use me to bring about change, godly change in this city, in this country, even in the world. You will remember that about a year or so ago, we had times of corporate prayers here in the evenings, and at one uh, of those meetings, I prayed, I believe, a prophetic prayer, and I prayed and I said, God, would you use this house as the spearhead, bringing about change in this city, in this country, in this world? You know what? This house is you. Pastor John is the leader, and we are with him. But without you, 
We are nothing. This house is you. And God has called you to this house. God has called us to stand together like never before, to seek him like never before, and have a new vision, and get out of this feeling of hopelessness, of despondentness, and say, I am more than a conqueror. And in the morning when I wake up and I open my eyes, instead of saying, oh my goodness, another day, how am I going to make this day? I would jump out of bed. Now, now my wife is here, so I'll have to check myself here. So tomorrow morning, I'm jumping out of bed. You jump out of bed with an expectation in your heart and, and, and just some joy in your heart and, and be ready for a new day. For like Pastor John now now said, his mercies are new every morning. His grace is new every morning. And if I put all of these together and I harbor it in my heart and I make it my own, I pray about it, I tell it to myself, and I, it becomes part of who I am, I will get out of my bed ready to be a man of God, ready to be used by God in a mighty way. We cannot be part of the problem in this country. We need to be part of the solution in this country. Country, and we are the solution. Amen. So this is what I believe that we should do. Ask God to remove feelings of weakness and replace it with strength and power. This is what we need to do. You know, it is like a nuclear explosion. My previous life, that's the stuff that I studied. I don't want to give you a lecture, but in essence, it works like this. It's one little proton that gets fired into a little molecule, and that molecule will explode into a huge number, and each one of them will again ignite a new one, and a new one, and a new one, and a new one. And it happens at the speed of light in a moment's time. And the energy that gets released from that is what they call an atomic, a nuclear explosion, which is unraveled. There's nothing that competes to it. You know about a nuclear explosion. You know what? The church of God needs to act like a, that, like a nuclear explosion. For each one of us, wherever you go, you can release a word of hope. You can bring a word of God. You can bring something from the kingdom of God and someone takes that and it releases a word again to someone else and someone else and those people take it again to more people and to more people and to more people and if we are just faithful and keep on doing this, this country will change forever. You know what? They can hate you as much as they want. <laughs> if you keep on loving, you will win. You will win. For the word says, God is love. God is love. And this is what we need to do. So what do we do in a time like this? We need to be relevant in our society. We need to bring about a change. For this is a time of transition like never before. Now, someone might sit here and say, well, you know, you're talking easy there, Moses, Holy Spirit, speaking to God, Jesus, Cornelius, you, the pastors, James 4, in the book, 
James chapter 4, it says that the Holy Spirit yearns to be welcome with you. You don't need to work for it. You can't pay it. You can never afford it. He yearns to be welcome with you. So why don't you just say, if you haven't done it before, Holy Spirit, you are so welcome with me. Come and live in me. Come and reside in my life. Come and change me, change my heart. Fill me with your power. Pick me up. Let me live in another dimension. Lord, let me see this world through your eyes. Lord, open my eyes, open my ears, that I would become like Jesus, that I would act with the power and the strength and the authority of Jesus. And wherever I go, I establish the kingdom of God in this uncertain time. For you don't know where we're going, but he is with you. Amen. I hope it makes sense to you. I, I want to close off, and I want to give you an invitation. His word says, if you are overburdened, come to Jesus. If you are heavy laden, come to him. For his burden is soft, and his burden is light. And I sense that there are many people at this stage that you just feel, I'm overburdened. I can't take it anymore. And I want to invite you, won't you stand with me? And let's just ask the Lord to bring about change in your heart and just bless you with His power and pull you out of that. Thank you for everyone that's standing. Thank you, Lord. Our Father, we thank you today for your word, for your word is true and it will ever remain true. Lord, and each and every person in this house, where they stand before you, each one precious, precious, precious people of God, each one, Lord, with a purpose in their lives, each one, Lord, with whom you have a purpose and a plan, Lord, we pray your strength, your ability, your comfort over each and every one. Lord, and even though the circumstances might look and feel so completely over the top. We pray that you, O Comforter, Holy Spirit, that you will just find a wonderful way into each and every heart, that each and every person walk out of this house with new hope, that each and every person will walk out of this house with, a, with just new, new faith in you and just a new belief that you are with them, that they're not on their own, that you've not forgotten them, that you are with them, that you care for us, that you are still the same, that you have not changed, but you are the same forever and ever and ever. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let us give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. I just want to bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May you go and have a wonderful, wonderful day. Amen, amen.